from LPL Financial. Welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here up in Boston, my friend Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, how's things going up there? Things are really good, Ryan. Happy happy Monday to you. Certainly have a good uh, stock market environment. That uh, that helps the mood. I guess with the Thanksgiving uh, holiday coming up here, we can uh, maybe talk about what we're thankful for, huh? No, that's right, Jeff. You, know, you mentioned Monday. I'm sitting next to Dawson here on our marketing communications team. Dawson and I were here at 5.40 in, this mo- in the morning. I can't even talk. It was so early. 5.40 this morning. I was on CNBC bright and early, so... I'm not saying I'm going to fall asleep on you, Jeff, but if, I'm, if I don't totally pay attention, it's because I was up very, very early. And it's funny when you get up early. You have to get up, right? It's like a flight. I got up about 2 o'clock. A dog made some noise. I could not go back to sleep because I knew I had to wake up about 4.30 or so. So anyway, I'm on fumes, and it's Monday morning. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. Go get a nap after we're done here. <laughs> I think I might just do that. I, I think it's I think it's well deserved. I've earned, I've earned it, right? Now, Jeff, I heard something about it. There was a mystery reader in Boston. I think I saw it on either LinkedIn or Twitter, maybe TikTok, what all the kids are using. Tell me a little bit about this mystery reader in Boston. I can assure you it was not TikTok. I <laughs> hardly know what that is. Uh, um, wait till your daughter's about so, 12. You, yeah. you will. <laughs> so we, you know, in the office, talk about what you've, what you've been up to outside the office the past few days. So I did go into my daughter's school late last week and was a mystery reader. I thought it was interesting because... Um, I was reading a Judy Bloom book. You know, a lot of you probably remember Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. And yes. At the start of the book, it has an address. And I said out loud to the, to the class, that sounds like a New York address. And then I just kept reading. And one of the kids raised his hand and asked, well, how, did, how did you know that was a New York address? So <laughs> I thought it was great that he asked the question so quickly after I made that observation. He was clearly listening. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the majority of the challenge when you're reading to a class of fourth grade. Or when you have a podcast. So, uh, you don't want people to fall asleep on you either. <laughs> Keep them interested. Exactly. So it was a very <laughs> insightful question, and, and we all know how New York New York City addresses look with the number and the west or east and then another number. So, uh, so uh, indeed, it was a New York uh, address. If it turned out to be someplace else, I would have looked pretty silly in front of the class. Well, hopefully they they won't they won't hold it against you too much. Um, but that's that's exciting. You know, my school I did mystery readers for my boys a couple of years ago, and I always enjoyed it. It was always a lot of fun. And for whatever reason, the last two years they just haven't done it. So it's kind of kind of sad. I did enjoy the mystery reader, but what's also sad, Jeff, and don't don't kick me too hard. My Bengals are officially zero and ten. I forget the exact number, but they lost I don't know twelve or thirteen or fourteen games. Who's counting? A bunch of games in a row. I think tying the all time record for a pretty. Bad franchise and losses, um, 0 and 10. But as I quickly point out, my Ohio State Buckeyes are 10 and 0, and they're looking pretty good. So I win on Saturday and lose on Sunday. What can I say? Well, they're they're winning by losing, right? Because uh, they get a going to get a good draft pick. So, Ooh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. The glass half full way of looking at. Exactly. It. We all had to tank for Tua, but after what happened to him, I know a lot of Alabama fans and just football fans in general just a real, real shame, real class act, and that's just devastating. That um. I guess I say what the Bo Bo Jackson type injury with his with his hip. So just hopefully he bounces back. It'll be in the NFL in all, in all likelihood. But um, you know, good good luck to Tua there. So so Jeff, let's uh, let's get to it. So we're going to discuss this week's weekly market commentary, which we titled Recession Watch. We've got various indicators we're going to look at. Hey, stocks are at all time highs, but are we inching closer to the inevitable inevitable recession? The other thing we want to talk about is this is let's see here the Monday. 
What is today's day, Jeff? This is, uh, we, well, when we were at like the Monday the 18th when we're recording this, we're not going to do a podcast next week during the week of Thanksgiving. So we're going to end this with kind of a what we're thankful for, something family health related, but also market related as we celebrate Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving season. So, Jeff, again, this week's weekly market commentary, we titled Recession Watch. Um, I see my name's on it, but you did most of the work, so thank you for that. Um, you know, we, we discussed our five forecasters. Now, Jeff, just at a high level, kind of what is the five forecasters? And, well, I'll really give you a I'll put the ball on the tee. Does it have a good track record for forecasting uh, recessions? Yeah, it was really an attempt uh, to create a set of indicators that collectively give you a little bit more of a robust signal of the end of an economic cycle, right? So <clears throat> we know the yield curve by itself is a pretty good predictor. Uh, we know that the leading economic index, the LEI, has been a pretty good predictor uh, of uh, cycle turning points. But when you combine those with other signals, uh, we just think you get a more effective signal and you're less likely to have false uh, signals. So we've put these five indicators in a basket, and when they're all uh, flashing red, or at least yellow or red, uh, there's a pretty good pretty good chance that um, uh, that a recession uh, could be around the corner. Okay, yeah, good stuff there. So, again, in the show notes, we're going to have a chart that shows our five forecasters. And I'll just go through them real quickly. There's the Treasury yield curve, leading economic indicators, market breadth, purchasing manager sentiment, that's manufacturing, and then market valuation. Now, Jeff, we've got two that are not showing late cycle warnings, market breadth and market valuation, and three that are on watch, the yield curve, leading economic indicators, and then the purchasing manufacturer sentiment, again, um, manufacturing. Where do you want to start? Which I'll, I'll let you um, pick which one you want to go with first here. Yeah, let's do the, the three on watch. Um, so yield Sounds curve, good. talked a lot about that. Right when uh, short-term rates are higher than long-term rates, yield curve is inverted. Historically, that's been a good predictor of recessions. Um, the good news here is that the most widely followed curves have steepened and are back in positive territory. We're right. at about a 20 to 25 basis point positive curve, you know, about a quarter of a percent. And remember that the long-term rates are being depressed by negative international rates. So our treasuries, even at what we think of as low yields, are attractive to overseas buyers. So the curve and, you know, quantitative easing and all the stuff the Fed's been doing over the past few years has certainly, and other central banks globally, uh, has certainly distorted the curve. So, you know, we don't think this is a, a particularly worrisome signal right now, but given that the curve is flat, whether you look at the three months or the two-year uh, as the, the short end, um, we don't think you should be uh, totally dismissive of, of the signal. The last piece of good news here is that it, you know, the curve inverted, but it was short-lived. And so if we right. stay uh, steeper now, typically a short-lived signal isn't as um, strong of a predictor of recession. Yeah, you know, you look at the two-year, ten-year yield curve in inverted uh, back in early September, just for a couple of days, and let's say that started the clock. You know, I looked at the last five cycles, which all again did have inverted yield curves ahead of them. You can have about two years on average before the S and P 500 peaks. You have about 21 months before you quote unquote go into a recession, and to, and to put it in perspective, in the late 90s and 98, the S and P gained almost 40 percent after 
that 210 inverted, and you had a couple more years before the recession officially started. So, hey, maybe the shot clock just started, but it doesn't mean it has to end. And I don't want to get too geeky for you know for the purpose of this podcast, but I mentioned this before, and it, it seemed like it was uh, well-received. There's something called a bear steepener of a yield curve. And keeping it simple, you can get a steeper yield curve when long-term rates go up more than short-term rates. That's more normal. That's what we've been seeing recently over the past couple of months. The other type before recessions that we've seen in 2000 and before the financial crisis, what we call a bull steepener. You can get a steepening yield curve when short-term rates go down faster than long-term rates. And again, that's the worrisome steepening when you have the bear, the bull steepener. Again, Jeff, like you just laid out, we're seeing more of the more normal bear steepening, meaning long-term rates are outperforming or going uh, up faster than short-term rates. So, you know, the four most dangerous words this time is different, right? Um, but, you know, it doesn't appear like we're seeing the same signs from the yield curve that we are that we saw before the major recessions. Any other comments on the yield curve, Jeff, before we uh, turn the page to the next one? Let's keep going. Yeah, it makes sense to me. How about leading, leading economic index, the LEI? It does come out later this week, I believe on third. You know what day it is, Jeff? I believe Thursday. Is that... Sometime this week. Right. Yep. The yeah. conference board's leading economic index, the LEI, is calculated from 10 individual leading economic data sets, including things like weekly jobs, manufacturing new orders, permits, and actually stock prices in general. Um, now, we found, Jeff, when this turns negative year over year, a recession has taken place five of the last five times, all the way back to the 70s, and you had a recession about 14 months on average. Now, <laughs> last month, the uh, most recent data is September. It came in at 0.4% year over year, almost negative, but not quite there. Tell me why we're not going to see this turn negative right away, or do you think it will maybe? We don't think it will, um, and I'd say there's you know, a couple main reasons why. First, you know, we had a big improvement in this indicator in, in 2018, and that has uh, led to a tougher comparison. So right. when you get a you know higher base, it's tougher to grow off of that base. So you know the tax cuts in late 2017 were certainly part of the reason. We know in, now in hindsight, economic growth did pick up in 2018, and then since um, rolled over. Uh, so when you get a big move higher and then you go sideways, the year-over-year comparisons um, get you know the the year-over-year growth rate gets gets smaller. So um, we think that if we can just inch higher from here, the easier comparisons versus late last year and early this year, those will start to get um, uh, easier and easier and and should prop up uh, that growth rate. So that's reason number one. Uh, Number two, we've actually seen some other leading economic data improve. The stock market is essentially (laughs) a leading economic indicator, right? Right. Stock market's done great. We all know that. Leading economic indicators globally out of the OECD have done great, and we started to see uh, some improvement in some of the manufacturing uh, sentiment indexes overseas as well. So I think um, we're really set up for uh, for higher numbers uh, in the in the near term, and, and hopefully we can avoid negative year-over-year print there. But even if we did get a marginal negative, uh, that's not that atypical in the middle of a cycle. We've actually been to you know, the flat area a couple of times since the financial crisis. Right. I mean, yeah, just twice during this record 10-and-a-half-year economic cycle, we came very, very close to seeing the LEI go negative, most recently during the industrial recession slash earnings recession that we saw in 2015 and 2016. But I guess I'll just kind of summarize it like this. 
You mentioned how you know the economy in the U.S. likely peaked August or September of last year across the board, and we're going to talk about manufacturing next. That's when manufacturing peaked, for instance. So once we're through those periods of a really strong economy, a year ago, things started to get a little bit weaker uh, as we move into the future. So again, those comparisons should be much, much easier. But Jeff, let's go to that. I mean, you know, so leading economic LEI is on watch, uh, the yield curve's on watch. And the last one, I think, uh, definitely on watch is manufacturing. We've talked a lot about our manufacturing here in the United States and around the globe has been very weak. I mean, it seems like every time I turn around, I'm hearing how Germany's in a manufacturing recession, and they probably likely are, yet the German DAX is you know, making 52-week highs nearly as we speak. Uh, but still, manufacturing makes up about 12% of GDP, not anywhere near the 45% it was back before World War II. Still, a little bit of a canary in a coal mine. What do you, what do you think about manufacturing here and now? Similar to the LEI, um, middle cycle, you tend to see dips and potentially a series of dips to slightly below 50. Uh, the, you know, the reading is in the 48 range now. Recession is around 42 historically, so we've got a little bit of ways to go. Our, our best guess here is that this thing turns higher soon. Uh, progress on trade is one reason why uh, we would expect that. And then again, uh, we have seen indications of stabilizing global growth. That should be positive for manufacturing in the U.S. You know, it's certainly easier to improve off of 48 than it is to improve off of 60, which is where we were 18 months or so ago. So um, we think um, you know, prospects are pretty good for this, this number to, to start to improve based on some other predictive indicators uh, that we've seen. Uh, good points there. And, you know, we looked at the last five cycles after manufacturing peaks, which, again, it likely peaked or it did peak last, uh, last August, you had a recession anywhere from three to four years on average after manufacturing peaks, and the S&P actually gains over 50% during that time. So manufacturing can peak. It can weaken potentially for years uh, before you go into a recession. Now, Jeff, some good news on the manufacturing front, and we did talk about it before we started recording. I got the no, the uh, text message on my phone. A new drill was just delivered to the Dietrich household. Uh, every time I buy, I'd buy cheap drills. I always buy cheap stuff, and they always break on me. They don't charge, and I needed to do some stuff over the weekend. So I have a new drill at my house as we speak, and I can't wait to go home and start you know, fixing the economy and helping with manufacturing using my drill. If I cut my finger off or something, Jeff, you can do more typing for me. How's that sound? Please, please don't. So yeah. business confidence <laughs> is high in the Dietrich household. You are making capital investments. Uh, yeah, it was a $76 drill. I, 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 it killed me to do it, but literally I bought two in the last couple of years, like the $30, $40 ones, and they never make it. So anyway, let, let's hope that this um, this drill lasts a little bit. It's not like I use it that often either, I'll be honest. I'm not I'm the most handy guy, but nonetheless. Uh, let's go, Jeff, to the final two of our five forecasters, valuation and market breadth. Maybe I'll, I'll talk a little bit. I'll take the market breadth one, Jeff, and then we'll go to valuation with you. So the way we like to look at market breadth is, you know, how many stocks are going up versus down. If you have a lot of participation, that tends to be a sign of a strong stock market. We like to look at the NYSE advanced decline line. And again, that's a daily cumulative basis, how many stocks go up versus down. Just last week, the NYSE advanced decline line made another new all-time high. We have found, in the, in, if you go back in history, anywhere from 12 to 15 months approximately is when the advanced decline line peaks, and then eventually the S&P 500 will peak sometime down the road 12 to 15 months later. Think of it like a war. If you don't have soldiers advancing, the generals likely don't advance. But if you do have new highs with the soldiers advancing, the overall stock market should continue. And then something I mentioned on CNBC this morning, 
was just the global outlook, right? I called it ABC. Um, you've got various countries making new all-time highs as we speak. A, Australia, B, Brazil, C, Canada, those three, United States, Sweden, Switzerland, all these different countries making all-time highs, 52-week highs. Well, actually, India also made a new all-time high. 52-week highs across the globe when you look at Europe, specifically you know, France and Germany, and then Greece. The disaster that Greece has been all of a sudden is making 52-week highs or flirting with it. It's tough to make a very bearish argument, I think, when you have global participation. A year ago right now, I was just playing with some numbers. The U.S. was about the only stock market up for the year heading into December, the terrible month of December. All these other global stock markets were down. There was weakness under the surface. It's the exact opposite now where clearly there's a lot of participation. So market breadth is definitely, I think, more of a of a positive scenario. Now, Jeff, you're the valuations expert. What do we see on valuations here? The story there hasn't really changed. You know, earnings uh, continue to grow if you look at, uh, you know, the prospective growth rates over the next year, right? And we prefer uh, to use forward earnings uh, to value uh, the S&P 500 as opposed to trailing. We use both, right. but, um, you know, looking today at how um, stocks are valued as we've moved through time, even though Q3 earnings uh, growth will um, be about flat or slightly negative depending on which source, if you look forward, you know, we're still looking at at least based on consensus, potentially high single-digit earnings gains, our forecast is more mid-single digits. So given we still have um, you know, earnings growth, we think, uh, to look forward to, keeps valuations from rising too much. So we're at about 18 times uh, forward four-quarters earnings estimates based on facts and consensus. That is a couple points above the long-term average. So on that basis, simplistically, you could say stocks are a little expensive, and that wouldn't surprise people, right? Because we, exactly, you know, we're in the eleventh year of a bull market, and what are we up? Three hundred and sixty something percent. But um, PEs are closely tied to inflation and interest rates. So when you see lower inflation levels and lower interest rates, you tend to see higher PEs, um, and uh, on that basis. We know we've got low interest rates and low inflation. Low inflation, you've got, we think, very reasonably valued stocks here. So we, we didn't even flag valuations as on watch. You know, if we go up another half a point, maybe we would. Um, we, we're not uh, concerned uh, about stock valuations here at all because you really have to look at valuations. Uh, relative to rates and prices. Yeah, you know, I always like to talk about the rule of 20, which is simply the P multiple plus inflation, and 20 is about average. You just mentioned 18 P multiple, inflation's around a little bit above 2% approximately, but that's right around 20 if my math is right, and historically that's a perfectly normal average environment. And like you pointed out, you can have lower P multiples like we saw in the early 80s. The 82 bull, bull market was born, you know, with very cheap multiples, but we had extremely double-digit inflation back then, so lower inflation tends to lead to potentially higher P multiples, and that is perfectly normal. So, Jeff, we have about three or four more minutes here. Uh, we're going to do a little bit about talk a little about Thanksgiving, what we're what we're thankful for from a personal point of view and market point of view. But I would like to say, you know, thank you so much to everyone who's been listening to this podcast. This is technically going to be the last podcast of this season. We're going to kick off the next season with our 2020 outlook in two weeks. So, again, we're going to take off the week of Thanksgiving 
um, you know, and please continue to listen on Google, you know, Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify. Give us positive reviews. Um, we'd be thankful for that. And the more positive reviews we get, the more people can listen to our podcast. So, Jeff, I'll uh, let you go first. Uh, what do you want to start with? The market thing you're thankful or family thing? It's all balls in your court. You take it away. Oh, got got to lead family. Um, I'm thankful for everyone in the family except the dog. The dog <laughs> has been go. very difficult lately. Uh, just had um, uh, the anniversary last week, and this week is that's right. Is, happy, uh, happy belated. Where did you guys go for dinner, by the way? I know we don't have much time, but you take her somewhere expensive, yeah, right? Help we that went economy. To a nice, yeah, we went to a nice Italian place about Good. ten minutes from our house, and, and a new place we hadn't been to, and, and we don't get out a lot okay. uh, with with the kids and the dog. So it was really nice. Um, uh, to to do that, so really really good Great. dinner. I liked mine a little more than Debbie liked hers, but uh, still uh, it was it was great. Good good food overall, and and, and good uh, atmosphere. So this week's the birthday, so hopefully I'll I'll survive uh, that. Happy birthday, honey. Um, and then um, uh, in terms of market, uh, I mean you, you got to be thankful for this market. I, and I'll say I'll tie it to the over index, which we also talked about in the weekly market commentary. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thankful for this bull market and expansion um, being gradual and lasting, right? If you don't have excesses like the, you know, the tech boom in the late 90s or subprime mortgage crisis in you know, late 2000s, if you don't have excesses in the system, uh, you can grow uh, longer than you might otherwise grow. And that is certainly um, a part of why we think this bull market goes through next year and beyond. Uh, great points there, Jeff. Um, so I'm thankful for my family as well this week. So I'm a big Xavier fan. Xavier basketball graduated from Xavier, so I kind of have to be. And they, a lot of people know them because they're the small school that usually does pretty well in March. And they're down here in Charleston, South Carolina, later this week at the Charleston Invitational. So I'm taking my kids out of school earlier on Thursday, and they're missing school on Friday because I said, hey, Xavier's in town. They're really they're thankful for that. But going to watch Xavier basketball all weekend down here in the state of South Carolina. So that should be a lot of fun with my with my two boys and wife and daughter that should be fun um and you know from a market point of view i'm going to kind of build on what you said you know this is a 124 month cycle of growth the longest we've ever seen in our country's history yet if you look at nominal growth jeff we were right at 50 percent. we just cracked 50 percent nominal growth during this 10-year cycle of growth you look at the 10 previous cycles of growth since world war ii the average has been 49 percent in other words yes this is the longest cycle of growth ever or is it just an average one? You know, could there be more time to go, like you said, without those excesses and the fact that we're just kind of growing to two, three percent or so? Uh, maybe we could have a lot more life left. So, Jeff, we've got about a minute to go. Uh, you can do a sign off, then I'll bring us home. All right. So, take a look at our weekly market commentary this week on the five forecasters and the over index. Those have been very, very popular. Uh, so, um, hope uh, hope y'all enjoy that. Find it uh, find it useful. I'll also say uh, the 2020 outlook is uh, in its final stages, and um, looks really good. You're starting to see promos on social media, so, uh, so maybe a hint as to our theme. Uh, look for that. Uh, much more on that over the next uh, week or two. Exactly. Yeah, the 2020 outlook should come out here in a couple of weeks if all things go the way they're supposed to. And again, we're not doing a podcast the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, so enjoy, definitely everyone enjoy the week of Thanksgiving. Hopefully some time to 
reflect and just enjoy some good food and time with uh, family and friends as well. So from everyone at the LPL Market Signals team, it and believe me, it is a team. It's not just Jeff, John, and I. There are, <laughs> I don't know, 10, 15. There's a lot of people involved in making this thing possible. So thank you for everyone. Again, as we kind of sign off on this season, we're going to start a new season uh, in two weeks, uh, taking a look at our outlook. So everyone enjoy Thanksgiving, and we'll be back in two weeks. Take care, everybody. Thank you. The opinion voice in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.